Hey friends, welcome to the Family House Message of the Week podcast. This is Pastor Jason, lead pastor at Family House Fellowship in Cedar Park, Texas. At Family House, we are a family of faith growing towards wholeness in Jesus Christ, heart, mind, and strength, and helping others towards that same wholeness, impacting not only this generation, but future generations. We would love for you to check out more about us on our website. It's familyhousecp.org. Also, you can follow us on social media in all the places, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at FamilyHouseCP. And also, if you wouldn't mind, the best way to continue to see these podcast episodes when they drop is to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you love to get your podcasts. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, rate and leave a review. It helps other people find this Message of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. But it was good because as it turned out, I didn't have to spend any time this week prepping another message while I was in California. So that worked out. God knew what I needed. So we've been talking about this season of definition that we find ourselves in. What is a season of definition? We have said that in a season of definition, God gets to set the terms. He gets to tell us about us. And he gets to tell us about what he wants, what he desires. In a season of definition, we begin to put his view, his perspective, his desires ahead of ours. It's really hard. It's really hard in this world because I know me, right? I know me and you know you. We like things our way. We just do. And it's, it's not how God made us, because God made us as beings that would be dependent on Him, that would yield to Him. But as sin entered the equation, we have become more and more selfish. And so it's hard for us to let anybody else set the terms. We don't want to be bound by anybody. And we actually would say that that is the adverse of, of being free, is letting someone else set the terms. But, but Jesus actually displayed a life on our planet that showed that actually giving ourselves and yielding to, to God is actually freedom. Because being yielded to God in submission to Him and Him setting the terms is the safest place we can be. The other thing we've talked about is that God wants to define in us some spiritual muscles. And we last week began to talk about what it looks like to define some spiritual muscles. And we, well, we talked about Gideon's story, right? Beyond, beyond the introduction back to God, Right, Gideon had, had spent his entire life up to this point sort of living in two worlds. He had heard the stories of this God that had moved on behalf of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. He had, he had heard about all the great things God had done, but 
At the same time, his family and everyone around him in Israel had allowed the, the gods of the Midianites to infiltrate their lives to the point where Gideon's father was actually a, a priest in basically what amounted to the church of Baal. And they had an altar to Baal outside their home. They had an Asherah pole outside their home. And God instructed Gideon, I want you to tear all that down and I want you to build me an altar in this place. And Gideon does that. And then last week we picked up the story where God is empowering Gideon to be the mighty warrior that Jesus called him. And so we talked about the process that Gideon got to boil down his army. Right? He started with 32,000 men and God, God comes to him and says, too many people. So Gideon invites those who might be scared of fighting to go on home. That eliminated about half of the group. And God comes to Gideon again and he says, no, 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 still too many. And we don't get Gideon's side of this story. Like we're not hearing Gideon's side of this conversation with God, but I can I, I know what my side of this conversation with God would look like. Be like, seriously, God, you're really cramping my style here because I wasn't feeling comfortable about thirty-two thousand men, and now we're boiled down to half. And now you tell me that's still not few enough? Few enough. Few enough. Like, I'm looking at you, God, and I'm thinking, this is not enough. Right? But that's, that's what we do. We look at circumstances and we go, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. And God's going, when will you have enough? So Gideon boils his army down to 300 men. 300 men. He does so by inviting them to drink from the stream that's nearby. And God weeds them out by how they drink. How they drink. What's the big deal about how they drink? Well, God gave him specific instructions. He said, those who cup their hands and bring the water to their mouths and lap the water out of their hands like dogs are the ones I want. So, only 300 men of that group drank the water that way. Everyone else put their faces to the stream and drank directly from the stream. Why? Why would that be the indicator for what the kind of man God wanted in his army? Well, we don't have a solid indication as to why. But my personal belief is that God was looking for people who were just crazy enough to follow a battle plan that included ram's horns and clay pots. Right? We talked about that just briefly last week. So Gideon leads the army of 300 men on this mission 
that any respectable military mind would openly mock. We all know, right, we all know in our minds that you can't beat an army that outnumbers you 400 to 1. You could not conceivably beat an army that, you, that outnumbers you 400 to 1 if you had modern weapons. Let alone the kind of weapons that they would have had in Gideon's day. We're talking spears, we're talking swords, we're talking slingshots, arrows. 400 to 1. You, you, can you imagine how many arrows that is coming at you? You ever, you ever had some weeks that felt like you were outnumbered 400 to 1? With arrows coming at you? This is where Gideon's faith comes in. This is where the faith of these 300 men is super important. Faith seems uncivilized to the civilized mind. Faith seems uncivilized to the civilized mind. Faith is unreasonable to the, quote, reasonable people. People who see with their physical eyes. Gideon was not a man who saw with his physical eyes. God had been teaching Gideon to begin to see with his spiritual eyes. A possibility of finding freedom in the middle of the chaos he was in. Gideon could see the possibility in his, with his spiritual eyes, his faith eyes. What the possibility could be of living free from the Midianites. Gideon saw the scenario with his spirit because he had seen with his eyes what the Lord was about. He knew God. He understood his character, so he didn't accept seeing the Midianite army through his physical eyes. Right? All of those things that God had done, meeting Gideon where he was, helped Gideon be where God was. You hear what I'm saying? In those moments where Jesus shows up on the scene, burns up the sacrifice that Gideon makes for him, provides for him, and then the wet fleece and the dry fleece and all of those things that Gideon did and participated in with God helped Gideon see what God was about so that he could think and believe and see what God was seeing. That's faith. That's what faith looks like. Presumably, God divided the men at the stream by physical eyes and spiritual eyes. After all, 
the battle with the Midianites wasn't really a physical battle after all anyway. It was a spiritual battle. It wasn't about the, the 400 to 1 weapon ratio. And honestly, the weapon ratio was even worse than that because Gideon and his army brought ram's horns and clay pots. They didn't even bring weapons. It wasn't about the 400 to 1 weapon ratio. It was about God's altar and Baal's altar. The false god Baal that the Midianites worshipped had no power. Almighty God had all the power. The point all along was to get Israel's spiritual vision back. Gideon and those 300 men helped reawaken Israel's spiritual vision and set their eyes back on God and off of themselves. It wasn't really about Baal either. It was about themselves. Baal, the God, the false God Baal, allowed the people to do whatever they wanted to do. They could live in sin. They could... They could give in to the temptations of their own flesh whenever they wanted to. They were actually encouraged to do that. This spiritual battle was for the spiritual vision of Israel. And I don't know if you've looked around, but we're living in a day and an age where our culture is being invited into a moment when anything goes where you're invited to give in to your flesh. You're encouraged to do so. And God's going, just look at me. Just look at me. This was the faith decision that Gideon had to make. Gideon took a step. He did, he did a thing that I like to call the gift of going first. Gideon gave Israel the gift of going first. He came in with boldness, tore down the altar of Baal, tore down the Asherah pole, tore down all of the... Uh, he tore down all of the falsehood in his own home first and began to walk with God. He recruited all these men Again, boiled down to 300 men who had spiritual vision, who could see what Gideon was doing and who would follow him into the battle the way God wanted to fight the battle. And as we, as we turn the page on Gideon's story, as we turn the page on Gideon's story, God delivers Midian into their hands by basically causing confusion. Right, I can imagine what 300 men blowing ram's horns and breaking clay pots might sound like. Right? And the Midianites end up turning on each other and killing each other. And then Gideon's army calls back to the other tribes and says, hey, let's go. They're on the run. 
We've got them, we've got them right where we want them. And they chased the Midianites down and they took back control of their lives. But it was Gideon's faith in God, his belief that God was who he says he was, and he could do what he had seen him do, that allowed Israel to be able to again see what the God of their forefathers, their ancestors, could do. So, I've got some takeaways that I want to give you today. Things that we can do to position ourselves like Gideon. Because what this culture and this world needs, and this neighborhood needs more than anything, is people who are positioning themselves in such a way that they can see what God is doing in the spiritual and not focus on the physical. First is, faith is indeed a muscle. It is indeed a spiritual muscle. It has to be exercised. Faith does not have strength on its own. It, you have to take steps of faith. With every step, Gideon exercised and strengthened his faith. Each time God called and he responded with obedience, God was faithful. There's the key. There's the key. Every time God called Gideon and Gideon responded in obedience, God was faithful. This is how, this is how faith is a muscle. We have to take steps. There's a story in the Old Testament right before Israel enters the promised land. God parts the Jordan River like He parted the Red Sea. But He didn't do it exactly like He had done it the first time. God had parted the Red Sea. He pushed back the waters and there was a wall of water and the, the ground was dry and, Israel, and Israel could walk right through. God showed them the water parting and the dry ground there in front of them so that they could walk. When they crossed the Jordan, God told, God told, told Joshua, you have to send the priests first. And the priests will step in the water with, the, with carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which is where the presence of God rested. And I, but I will not part the waters until you step in. You've got to step in. That's exercising your faith muscle. And this generation of Israelites hadn't seen the Red Sea part. Because God wiped them all off the planet because of their disobedience. He said, you will not see the promised land, but your kids will. So they had only heard of what God had done. They hadn't seen it. They had only heard it. And they had to take a step into the water to see the water. That's exercising your faith muscle. 
It's taking a step. It's like my body isn't going to be exercised by taking a walk without taking a step. You don't get my, my Apple Watch tracks every step I take. You know what it doesn't track? Every step I don't take. You cannot get the results of faith without making the step of faith. It's impossible. Jesus compared faith to a mustard seed. I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed. It's one of the smallest seeds on the planet. But the tree it produces is one of the strongest. Interesting, right? One that Jesus would use that. But that it doesn't take much to create a faith that can withstand the things we face in life. When I engage the weakest muscle in my body and, and remember what it felt to really engage it, right? Because you can do exercises without actually really engaging muscles. I, I've realized this in working out. Like in spe it, it specifically, like um, I do this one exercise. It's called a lat pull down, and I sit on the bench and I have a bar over my head that has a cable that's attached to weight, and I pull the bar down. I I could pull that bar down a hundred times with my arms, but my arms aren't actually the muscle that I'm supposed to be engaging. I'm supposed to be using my shoulder blade muscles to pull that down. So it's really, I could just go like this a hundred times and not gain any real benefit because it really doesn't work any of the, that motion doesn't really work any of the muscles. It doesn't engage the muscles in my arms. But if I pull my arms forward, my hands forward, and I lean back and I engage those muscles, I start to pull down and I feel it in my, in my shoulder blades. That's engaging a muscle. There are things in our lives that we do every single day that we are no longer engaging God in faith because we've done them so many times, we can do it ourselves. We tell ourselves that old line, God will not give you more than you can handle. Can I, can I just pastorally tell you that's a lie? It's not in the Bible. And it's actually a lie. He's not saying that what you have, He doesn't believe can be handled. But what God is actually saying is, is that I'm not going to give you more than I can. It's going to come through. Because if He doesn't, because if it doesn't take that, then what actually happens is, is we're just pulling the bar down on our own over and over and over again and getting the same result over and over and over again, which is actually not a lot because He has so much more for us than just going through the motions.
It's our job to engage the muscle of faith. What situation in your life right now needs a dose of faith? What is the Lord asking you to step into or step out of or give up control of? We've got to exercise the muscle. We've got to take a step. We've got to say yes. We've got to stop doing that one thing or we've got to start doing this other thing over here that he's asking us to do that we're just ignoring because we're too afraid to take the step. We end up be, becoming like the, the, first, the first several thousand men who got sent home. I mean, we're, not, we're not signing up for this. I'm not signing up for this. This is a suicide mission. Guess what? They're the ones who end up on the coattails of Gideon's army chasing down the Midianites who are running away. And they didn't really get to take part in the major part of the victory. They, they just came by at the end and cleaned up the scraps. Why? Because they were afraid to step into the thing that God asked them to be a part of. I firmly believe God would have utilized all 32,000 men with clay pots and ram's horns if they had been positioned in faith. They were not. And, and God was really clear with Gideon, the reason why I don't want to use all 32,000 of these men is because if I do, then Israel will take credit for this, for this victory. And we'll be right back where we started in the first place. Because what fuels our own selfish desires? It's our own egos. Second thing, we, we have established other gods in places of significance in our lives that work against faith. These are our Asherah poles, and we all have them. What are the Asherah poles in your life? What are the things that need to come down so that you can build an altar to God in your life. Only you can answer that question because they're all different for all of us. But here are some things that we often put, raise up over God. The illusion of control. Maybe better put, where am I acting like my own God in my life? Where am I making decisions where I'm not let, allowing God to influence? Where am, I, where am I just doing things on my own, out of my own free will, which I have full right to do? God said, God has said, I'm not making choices for you. Gideon had a choice. He could have said, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good here in this wine press, hiding out, not stepping into my destiny. Mighty warrior? Nah. Mm, no. No thanks. 
I'll just hide over here where I can control the scenario. Is my God my own wisdom? I see what's in front of me and I apply my, apply my own wisdom to what I see instead of blowing the ram's horn and breaking some clay pots. Third thing, mixing Almighty God with all of those other things, right? It's not outright saying no to God, but it's not certainly not saying a bold, complete yes. And sometimes it's mixing God with other spirits. It's actually, we've set up this altar for God, but it's right next to the altar to Baal, and it's right next to the Asherah pole in our life. So we're like, God, I'm going to come to church on Sundays and I'm going to sing praise to your name and I'm going to give you an hour. But the other 23 hours on Sunday and the other 24 hours of the other six days a week are mine. And, and this might sound trite, but it's not. The Bible is really clear about what it looks like to live a duplicitous life or living with two minds. You can't be double-minded, the Scripture says. Do you read horoscopes? Scripture's clear about that. Do you read your Bible and come to church but participate in spiritism that places humanity at the same position as God? where I find power inside myself? Do you place your own success and happiness in life as the point of life? See, God didn't engage in a relationship with humanity to be an end to our great and happy lives. God is not opposed to our happiness. Let me say that. He's not opposed to it. Unless it's the point. The point is not a culturally defined, quote, happy life where we grasp a hold of every wish that is on our hearts and success in life is defined by our own minds and our own hearts. The point of life is a relationship with the creator, living God, where he is our central focus. Where knowing him and pleasing his heart is the objective. Again, I say God is not opposed to our happiness. He just wants our hearts to be made happy by Him. And not from the things He gives to us. When we begin to love and adore the gift over the giver of the gift... We've got our priorities all wrong. Even Gideon, back in, the, back in chapter 6 of Judges, the first thing he says out of his mouth is, 
Well, if God is really with us, why is all this happening to us? Right? Gideon was focused on the wrong thing. Instead of being focused on God and knowing that if God is for us, who can be against us? They had put their perspective on themselves and what they wanted and their happiness and their pleasure and off of God. And then amazingly, they found all kinds of turmoil and pain and suffering. And God's absence wasn't a knock on God's character. It was actually, they were the ones who were creating the distance. Where are you? So my question that I want to leave you with is, is there anywhere in your life where your faith is misplaced? David asks, David, you can come back up. David asks in the Psalms, after being confronted, I believe it's Psalm 56, confronted by Nathan the prophet about his misplaced priorities. His misplaced priorities. He said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Search me and know my selfish, evil ways. Again, all of us have something somewhere where we've, we, we just won't open our hand to God about. Maybe it's a feeling that we have about someone who harmed us in life, who wasn't fair, didn't maybe show love like they should have. Maybe, maybe it's over the way someone treated us in regards to finances or money, or maybe it's we, we've experienced lack in our lives somewhere and we just don't trust that God's going to do for us. We have to do for us. Where in your life is your faith misplaced? Because if Gideon had had misplaced trust standing on the edge of the battlefield with 300 men and some ram's horns and some clay pots, he would have found defeat. I don't think there's anywhere, any more being all in than Gideon standing with 300 men being outnumbered 400 to 1 And the only weapons they had were ram's horns and clay pots. Father, we love you. Search us, God. Show us any way in us that needs to be refocused on you. Show us any place where we have misplaced our faith. Where we need to take a step of faith towards you and leave that other thing behind. 
fully in with you. Not halfway, not still doing the old thing some and the new thing some. But we're fully in. We're holding our ram's horn, we got our clay pot, and we're ready. We're ready for whatever you have for us.